Good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. I'm Pastor Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor of Love and Truth Ministries. Would you help me welcome our campuses that are joining with us today? We're glad that you're with us. They're in Savannah and Cordova and Henderson today. We're thanking God that you are part of what we are doing as a corporate body, a corporate entity. We're believing today that God's going to minister to you as we go into the Word of the Lord today. Would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Mark, the 8th chapter? As you're turning to the book of Mark, the 8th chapter, let me just remind you, I've started a series called Fulfilling My Mission. Now, I want to tell you, everybody that's ever been created has a mission in life. And, and what we have to come to is we have to come to that place where we learn how to fulfill that mission. And last week I talked to you about why are we here? Why did God create us? Why were we made? Why were we placed upon this earth? Was it to be happy? No. Was it to have a big house? No. Was it to get a great education? No. There were two things we talked about. Now all of those things are wonderful, but that's not why we're here. The first reason that you were created according to the Word of God is so that you would get to know God so that you would have a relationship with him. I mean, don't you think that if you're going to spend an eternity with somebody, you ought to get to know him? I mean, think about that. We're, going to, we're talking about, oh, I want to go home and be with Jesus one of these days. I want to go to heaven. Well, you might ought to get to know him now. And so we talked about that. The second reason that you were created, according to the Word of God, is to find out what your purpose is. Why am I here? What am I to do? And you know what? Every person's purpose is different. I mean, what you're called to do, I'm not called to do. And what I'm called to do, someone else is not called to do. And, and we're all wired differently. Have you found that to be true? How many of you are married? Hallelujah. You found that to be true? I, I bought a book years ago. You know, they always say opposites attract. I, I bought a book years ago that says opposites attract, and the guy had marked out attract, and he wrote attack. So I'm not going there today. But anyway, and, and so there's, there's this whole aspect of fulfilling my mission by living out my purpose and what God's called me to do. Now today I want to talk to you, last week we talked about why I'm here. Today I want to talk to you about what am I to do? What is it that you're called to do? If I'm supposed to live on purpose and live out this purpose, then what am I to do and how does that look? So look in the book of Mark, the 8th chapter. Beginning in verse 34, it's Jesus talking uh, to his disciples and some others who had gathered there. It says, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desire, desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now I want to tell you, that is one of those atomic bombs set of scriptures. That, that is a section of Scripture that as you begin to read it, it talks about taking up your cross. It talks about denying yourself. It talks about not living like this sinful and adulterous generation. I, I want to tell you, there's a lot of stuff in this passage. And so over the next few minutes, I'm going to help us to unpack it. 
And I'm going to tell you, you need to reach on either side of your seat. There's a seat belt. Go ahead, reach down. Saw some of you looking. Go ahead and reach down and click it. Because we're getting ready to go on a ride, and it may be a roller coaster for some of you. Because I'm going to get in your business today. Just look at your neighbor, those of you watching as well as here, look at your neighbor and say, he's going to get in your business. Right? So I just want you to know that on the front end, I'm getting in your business today. All right? So let's begin to talk about this. There are, there are four aspects I want to talk about today on, on what am I to do. How, if I'm going to live out my purpose, what am I to do? Look in verse 34. It says, when Jesus had called the people to himself uh, and his disciples as well, he said, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, here's the first thing you've got to do if you really want to make a difference, if you want to fulfill your mission. Number one is you have to make a choice. And that choice is am I going to live for myself or am I going to live for God? Am I going to do what I want to do or am I going to do what God has called me to do? It's, it's my choice. See, he, here's what I found is that we are the sum total of the choices and the decisions that we have made in our lives. Where you are right now is because of the choices you have made. The, the, the shape that your life is in is because of the choices that we have made. Now, here's what I found. The Word of God says, take up your cross. Now, I want to tell you something about the cross. The cross is not fun. The cross is not something that's easy. Now, now we've, you know, we've taken and put some gold on it and put platinum on it, put silver on it, and we wear it around our necks or whatever, and we say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing the cross. I want to tell you, the cross is rugged. The cross is heavy. The cross will cost you more than you want to pay. And you've got to come to that place of saying, am I willing to make the choice to do what God has called me to do, or am I going to fulfill my own desires and do what I want to do? See, God gives us a responsibility in fulfilling our mission. See, we all have a mission, and I'm talking to you about fulfilling your mission, but then God gives you the responsibility of whether or not it comes to pass. Have you ever heard people say, well, if God really wants it to happen, it will just happen? Ever heard that? That's a bunch of baloney. That's not true. Well, whatever will be, will be, que sera, sera. No, it's a dumb song, but it's not true. It, it, it does not happen that way. It does not work that way. God gives you the ability. God gives you the talent. God gives you the anointing. God gives you the gifts. And then it's your responsibility of whether or not you take up your cross daily and follow him or you say, don't want to do that. I'm out of here. See, it's making that choice. I, I want to tell you something. Fulfilling your mission is costly. You know what? For Jesus Christ to fulfill the mission of the Father cost him his life. You and I are in that place that we have got to make a decision. Are we willing to pay the price? How many of you have ever heard the saying, no pain, no gain? Now, why is it that we can do that to go to the gym and get all bucked up and looking good and whatever, but then when it comes to the kingdom of God, we want to just slide by? When it comes to living for Jesus, we just want to go through somebody's prayer line, let him blow on us, and let it be over. Oh, if I could just have so-and-so lay his hands on me and I could just fall out. Well, you can fall out until your head bangs on the carpet. And you're still not going to be different unless you make a choice to change. 
unless you are willing to say, I am going to pick up my cross and I am going to follow the Lord. Listen, the day uh, of, of this easy Christianity is about to come to an end. Our nation is turning away more and more from God, and it's not going to be cool to be a Christian. I told you I'm getting in your business, so let's go. It's, it's not going to be just, oh, well, I, I'm a Christian on Sunday and live like the world the rest of the week. Why is it that the Word of God says they hated Jesus, but we all want to be loved? I got a question for you. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> huh. I, you know, it, isn't it interesting that, that this world that hated Jesus, that crucified him, that killed, <clears throat> excuse me, 11 out of the 12 apostles uh, by some kind of martyrdom, and they tried to kill John, and they boiled him in oil, and he just wouldn't boil. And so they shipped him out to the Isle of Patmos where he finally died. Why is it that that society did not accept Christianity, did not accept the church, and now in our day and age we want to be just so like the world that they can't tell the difference if you're a believer or not a believer? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm about to the point of saying if I look like the world, I act like the world, I live like the world, I might be the world. Maybe. I got the Chris Smith anointing. Maybe <laughs> there's a need in the church for us to arise to the place of saying, I am going to make a choice. I am going to pick up my cross, and I am going to follow the Lord because he has called me to fulfill the mission that he has placed within my life. Look in verse 35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, and the Gospels will save it. The second thing after, number one, making a choice, number two is you've got to accept the paradox. This is a paradoxical life. The Bible says we are in the world, but we are not of the world. How many of you wish the day that you got saved that all of your fleshly desires had died? Amen? I mean, come on, wouldn't, would it not have been great the day you came to Jesus Christ, you made him your Lord and Savior, you never, ever again had any sinful desire. Have you ever met those kind of people that act like they don't? They just make me sick. I heard somebody say one time, said, from the day that I got saved, I've never wanted to sin. They made me want to sin right then. I wanted to smack the stew out of them right there. I'm kind of like the Apostle Paul. The day I got saved, it got worse. <laughs> Apostle Paul said, I was doing pretty good until the law came along, and then the law showed me stuff that I didn't even know I could do and started wanting to do things I never had thought about doing before. Right? And, and, and so he said, there's a law that worketh in me. It's a law of sin and death. But he goes on to say, but thanks be unto God, which giveth me the victory. Now, we've been given that. Look, we have a treasure in earthen vessels, the Bible says. We, we, we have the treasure of God in this earthly body. But just because we got saved does not mean we don't still have earthly desires. And so there's this paradox of living like Christ but desiring to live like the world. So how do we come to that place of really losing our life the way the Scripture says it? What, what does it mean to lose my life for the gospel's sake? Here's what I think it means. I think it means to deny myself daily. 
Uh, now, we, we live in a society that nobody wants to deny anything. Well, it's just the way I am. Well, it's just the way I was born. Well, it's just the way that, you know, I'm Irish and we all have tempers. And, <laughs> right? You know, I, I, I'm this and we're all drunks and I'm that and we're all, you know, and, it's, it's, and, and nobody wants to deny themselves. And yet, the essence of Christianity is denying yourself. Newsflash, people, it's not about fulfilling every desire you've got. It's not pulling the handle on one more slot machine and getting some bless me Jesus juice. There really is an aspect of denying yourself daily. Lord, I will give up what I want. I won't live. Listen, there's all kind of stuff inside of us. I mean, listen, we're natural born whatever. I mean, I can lie to you at the drop of a hat. What's wrong with you? Don't act so religious. I mean, I, I, I got this lying thing when I was a kid that I lied so much when I was a kid, I probably got in more trouble about lying than anything else. And, and I, I could look at my parents and go, well, it's just the way I was born. It's just the way I am. They'd say, kid, you're going to stop lying. I mean, we, they tried. Every, they did everything. I mean, I, it got so bad at one time, they made, they made me memorize Revelation 21 and 8. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 21 and 8. I know it's still to this day. Now, what do you do? You deny that desire. You deny. People say, well, you know, I just can't help it. I just, you know, I commit adultery. You can't help it. Yes, you can. Well, you know, I, my, my marriage, is, it's not the best, and so, I, I, you know, I have to stray. Really? Wow, you, you, you're no better than a dog? Now, I told you, we're we going somewhere. We're not animals. I, I don't care. You, you, didn't, you're, you're, you, know, you weren't hanging in a tree one day by your tail, and it fell off, and now here you are, praise God. The Bible says you were created in the image and in the likeness of God. You have been given the ability to say no to sinful desires and to the flesh. You do not have to fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so we've got to come to that place where we deny ourselves daily. Whatever the desire is, whatever the sin is. Listen, think about it. Just those of you who are listening to me today, think about if we all just did what we wanted to do. I mean, I've walked in the bank before. I said, there's a lot of money in there. I'd like some of it today. But I denied myself because I did not want to start a jail ministry from the inside. There's, there's this aspect that we've got to come to of taking up our cross the way Jesus did, of following Jesus. In other words, carefully being obedient to what he's called us to do, doing what he said, not living the way that we want to live, but living the way he calls us to live. I'll say it again. If you live like the world, you act like the world, you talk like the world, you probably are the world. You're not a Christian. 
Just because you go to church does not make you a Christian. Just because you've gone through membership classes does not make you a Christian. Just because we've dunked you in our tank. There's a few of you I'm ready to redunk. Does not make you a Christian. Christianity is laying down your life and allowing the life of Jesus Christ to be lived through you. Verse 36 and 37 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The third thing that we've got to do, <clears throat> excuse me, the third thing that we've got to do is we've got to take the long view. We, we've, we've got to quit living for the immediate. Why is it that we give up everything precious for momentary pleasures? Why is it that somebody will take the first hit of crack cocaine knowing how addictive it is just to fit in with somebody? Well, I'm having a rough day. Hear me. If you think today's rough and a hit's going to help you, just wait. Your rough days haven't even started yet. See, we, we often get caught up in the temporary. We need some perspective in life. But before we make that decision, before we, you know, before we throw it all away, why don't we step back and say, wait a minute, what does it profit me to gain this and lose my soul? Maybe we haven't heard this for a while. Maybe we haven't let this sink into our consciousness for a while. But I still believe, and, and, and don't get mad at me, but I still believe you can't lose your salvation. I think it's a process. I think it's long-term. I think it's way, way hard to do. But I do believe that, you know, in this whole thing, we've got to wake up and say, I don't want to lose my soul. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, why would I want to preach to others and then myself become a castaway? He said, I've got to take the long view of this thing. You know, this whole temporary, we, we, we make it in a bubble almost. We make choices in the moment, not, not even looking at the long-term issues that are going to take place. Let me give you something, and I hope you'll write this down because I think it's life-changing. Let me give you one statement that I think can change your life. Never make a permanent decision over a temporary situation. Can I say that again? Never make a permanent decision over a temporary situation. I don't know what's happened to us in America. But you know, 40 and 50 years ago, people lived together and stayed married. They didn't just give it up because things got tough. Now, if somebody doesn't put the toilet lid down, we're out. Why? I mean, come on, have you, have you ever seen it? You ever been, how many of you have ever been to a wedding? Come on. Ever been to a wedding? Right? Bride and groom walk up, smile all over his face, looking like an idiot. <laughs> She's all beautiful and all this stuff, and they're standing there holding, they're talking. Preacher, they don't hear one word that preacher says. They talking to each other. It's oh, it's wonderful. I love you. It's great. Oh, it's just, oh. 
six months. A year? Pastor, I married the wrong man. Really? I remember you telling me that God told you. Yeah, but God changed his mind. Oh, God's schizophrenic. <laughs> well, you, you just don't realize. He, uh, he just doesn't treat me the way I thought I ought to be treated. And then you hear his side. Well, she just doesn't cook the way I thought she ought to cook. Let me just do some marriage counseling. Don't ever tell your wife that she does not cook as good as your mom. Because she will send you back <laughs> real quick. And, and we get all these things. And our problem is, is that we don't take the long-term view. Now, I, listen, if you've been through a divorce or whatever, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. I'm just telling you it's time for us to begin to take. Because I'm going to tell you, the next one you get is not going to be any better. Oh, Pastor, I got my eyes. Yeah, and you're going to stand before us and look goofy all over again. And then it's going to be the same thing a year down the road. You say, how do you know? Because every time you get remarried, the percentage of divorce multiplies. It jumps. So why don't we love the one we're with? I got an old rock and roll songs on my mind today, don't I? <laughs> you know, I have to pray I get more spiritual. <laughs> Let me give you the fourth one. Verse 38. Jesus said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the angels. The fourth thing you've got to do in this earth is you've got to understand where I am. Where are you? Well, I'm in church. No, 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 I'm not talking. You're in, the Bible says you're in the world. Jesus said you're in a sinful and an adulterous generation. We live in the midst of fallen humanity. And I want to tell you, things that used to make people blush, they do openly. Things that sinners would not talk about are now the thing that we laugh about. It's the things that we get our entertainment about. I, I, I'm going to tell you that there are, there are things that we, need to, we still need to cringe. As Christians, things ought to, ought to mess with us. I was in a store yesterday. I was doing some shopping. Sharon and I were doing some shopping yesterday. And, and I walked in this store, and I was minding my own business. I wasn't in there. to, to I was just minding my business. And I'm looking at something, and, and, I'm, and I hear this person on the phone, this guy on the phone. And he starts in and starts using the most vulgar profanities, just 90 to nothing. And I'm not talking about those five-cent cuss words. I mean, these were dollar cuss words. Some of them were $20 cuss words. I mean, he was letting it fly. Every word you can think of that you got redeemed from, he was saying. And don't you dare act like you don't remember. He was throwing them out. And I mean, he was, and he was sold out. We were in this store. It was a large store. And he was sold out. You could hear him 20 yards away. And he's just, and I, I finally turned around and just looked at him. And he looked at me like, what? And I just looked at him. And then he goes, yeah, Dad. And, and I'm thinking, you know, he's talking to one of his buddies. He's, at the worst, talking to his girlfriend. 
He's talking to his dad. And I, I thought, I wish his dad would just reach through the throne, grab him by the throat, and shake him. Right? Come on. I, I still get offended when people take the name of the Lord in vain. Now, you may be more worldly than that. You may be more spiritual than that. Listen, I don't know how you can listen to Kanye throwing out, do I dare even go there? No, I won't because, but, come on. Well, it's, it's, just, I, it's just part of the culture. Listen, I'm not part of this culture. I'm part of a heavenly culture. It's time for us to quit being conformed to this world. It's time for us to make a stand. It's time for us to be a little weird, if that's what the world calls it, and to say we are going to stand for righteousness and holiness and godliness because God has called us to that. You need to every once in a while make your kids want to bite through pennies because they are so mad at you because you won't let them do what everybody else is doing. Well, all of my friends are going. Well, all of my friends are watching. Well, all of my friends are listening. Well, honey, in this house. I mean, I, I was told until I was 18, 19 years old, as long as your feet are under this table. I don't know if anybody else had mean parents like I did. You're going to do what I tell you to do. I mean, I, I, we got 12-year-old kids running the house. We got 5-year-olds slapping parents. Makes me want to slap a parent. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. There, there's something got to rise up in people, and especially in believers, that say we are not going to conform to this world anymore. We are going to stand up. Paul says in the book of 1 Thessalonians 5.22, he said, abstain from every form of evil. If it even looks like it's evil, get away from it. For those of you who don't understand the word abstain, it means don't do it. Well, everybody, I, I don't care. I don't care if I'm cool today. I just want you to understand that you've got to put the kingdom of God first. If you're going to be a Christian, it's not enough just to walk an aisle, shake a preacher's hand, confess the Lord, write your name on a, on a log or whatever it is you've done, repent, cry, whatever it is. It's, that's not enough. Jesus Christ has called us to live a holy life. He has called us to live a separate life. If they crucified him, why do you think they ought to like you? If you fit in with everybody you work with, if you fit in with everybody you live by, then something's wrong. If you watch the same things, if you listen to the same things, if you go the same places, that the neighbor next door who doesn't know Jesus goes, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. Because God will call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And when you get into the light, some of the things that were in darkness will scare the living daylights out of you. When you walk in darkness, there's all kind of things out there, but when the light comes on, it scatters the darkness. And I'm not upset this morning, except in the sense of I think the church 
has laid down its right to speak to its society. We love to talk about the sanctity of marriage. And when we talk about the sanctity of marriage, we always want to talk about homosexuality. And I believe that the Word of God takes a stand against homosexuality. But I don't believe that the Word of God takes any stronger of a stand against homosexuality than it does in adultery. Than it does in any other sin that goes on in the life of, of believers. God's Word it comes against all manner of sin. And so we don't need to set up a bully pulpit against something that we don't like or something that we're not tempted with and go after somebody else who is struggling with something and we hadn't cleaned up our own backyard. I think it's time for the church to again radically sell out to Jesus Christ and to say we are called to make a difference, but the only way to make a difference is to be different. Maybe this is too old school. Maybe this is one of those sermons I should have preached 40 years ago. I wasn't even preaching 40 years ago. But I want to tell you, I am concerned about the drift of the church. I am concerned about the aspect of the church being willing to settle for second best when God is calling us to his best. So what am I to do? I am to deny myself to take up my cross, and to follow him. And you know what? There are days it's going to be the most joyous thing I've ever done. There are going to be other days it's going to be the most painful, the most sacrificial, the toughest thing I've ever done. But I want to tell you, one day I'm going to stand before him, and I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joys of heaven. <laughs>